guys hear those sleigh bells? I don't know what that was. I don't. I don't. You don't hear the sleigh bells? What is, what is that then? I don't know. Is that somebody's stomach? It must be. <laughs> you guys hungry? I think so. Anyway, well, happy fucking holidays, everybody happy out there listening. Holidays. Where's my fucking food? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode 243 mm. of the Movie Schmovie podcast. I'm John. I'm Ron. I'm Steve. And this is our big send-off to 2019, a year that kind of wasn't for us, but in some ways it was. Mm-hmm. A lot happened. A lot didn't happen. Maybe we'll talk about some of that. <laughs> As it is. But this is the As old, uh, this is the holiday schmoliday episode. We, we in the past, we had the tradition of, a, of what we called a Schmanksgiving episode, where we would talk about what we were thankful for for the year, and then we had a Bah Humbug episode. And then one year we combined the two because we weren't able to get together for the Schmanksgiving episode. And now I think we just like that idea of combining it. So here we are. This is pretty much before we get into our next phase of episodes, which will be the um, first episodes of 2020, where we will look back and talk about our favorite television shows and movies of uh, 2019. But this is kind of our last look at the year with the possibility that we might come back and do an episode about a new Star Wars movie when when that happens and we've all seen it. But for now, this is this is it for 2019. It, it was a spotty year for the show, but I would say we're at least back in the oh, same yeah. room talking on microphones. We're trying. Um, I think we only put out about 14 or 15 episodes uh, in, in this year. But again... We're trying. trying. How do you guys feel about, just in general, what was the shape of uh, 2019 like for you with regards to uh, to your, you know, if not just movies, but your consumption of pop culture in general? Was it a good year? Yes. I'd say so. Yes. Yeah, I think so. All right, next question. Am I under oath? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't want it to, I don't want to feel like I'm not acknowledging, a lot lot of good things for movies happened. I mean, I feel like our, our list it's going to be, mine might be the most all over the place this year. I'd uh, expect nothing less. Yeah. And I think it's some of it has to do with, yeah, it's, it, some of it has to do with maybe some more foreign films being introduced to me this year versus last, um, smaller productions, uh, bigger productions. I think the fact that we made fewer episodes this year means that there will be a lot of movies that we haven't, like that we didn't get a chance to talk about at oh, all. Yeah. Yeah. That will be on our best of the year list. So yeah. That, yeah. That, yeah, I'm kind of excited. Including Aladdin, uh, which is a porn scene that I watched uh, last week. We could review that. Aladdin. L A L L. Is that on your list of thanks for the year? Yeah. Just under the wire, you got that in. Porn that parodies. Let me guess. Classic movies. Lion King. Yeah, that would be really. That's some good. of the new content that they added to Disney Plus was their porn parody <laughs> category. Don't be so good. It's like a hidden category <laughs> yeah. though. You got to do like a special like combination on the. Yeah. You have to touch the remote with your dick. <laughs> Once it senses the. Comes right up. It's boop. I'm sorry. That's and so then poof, it makes a sound when it goes to it. <laughs> okay, we're really off to a great start. <laughs> <Okay>. Happy holidays. <laughs> <laughs> From movie schmovie. <laughs> Whip your dick out, put it on your remote control. <laughs> we'll all watch Aladdin together. It's uh, it's some of that super inclusive humor that you're <laughs> you're used to from us. <laughs> Sorry, but yeah, I think overall it's been a pretty good year. Yeah, uh, it's kind of yeah. like a year that I kind of initially felt like kind of started a little slow mm-hmm. for me, and then uh, 
you know, somewhere around the April, May ballpark, even end of March, I started seeing a lot of movies that I was really happy with, satisfied with. Different genre stuff that I thought were really delivered, some culminating uh, experiences in a movie theater that is some of the best times I've ever had in a movie theater happen mm-hmm. this year. So, and hopefully we'll experience still when we get to see Rise of Skywalker at the end of the year. But um, yeah, overall, I think it's been a really exciting year and some really great TV. Some up and ups and downs with TV, um, some controversial endings to shows to talk about. Um, but overall, like just entertainment being consumed by selfishly just talking about myself right now, like me, I've been very satisfied with a lot of stuff that I've watched at my mm. home, uh, on my phone, and in theaters. So it's been cool. a good time. So who wants to get it started? I think we decided last time we would we would do Bah Humbugs first, just because it's better to end on a positive note. So who wants to open the um, the bag of ba. I'll, I'll humbug. Okay, I'll open bu- the bag of ba. Um, it's a general sort of thing about uh, content. There's too much with Hulu flicks, Google Plus, and Apple All Access. There's too much shit out there. I mean, Apple All Access? What yeah. the fuck is that? I just mixed up all the names. <laughs> no, no, on purpose. Hulu Flix, Google. Oh, shit. Hulu Flix, Apple Plus, Google you Plus. You sold me on the other one. Right. I was like, you I, I got to gotta get those. So here they are. Hulu the one Flix. that fucked me up was Apple All Access. Cause that sounds like, <laughs> that sounds sounds like right. Inside Edition, yeah. like 7 p.m. one Right. So I just meshed them together. There's, there's a point where... I you mean, know, we should do an episode about all those services absolutely. at some point. Talk about all yeah. the streaming options. I feel like there's something that gives a definitive guide to some some of the newer services yeah, that should be really on our slate of releases it'd be nice if right before this episode in the feed the there was such a fuck? thing but get I mean, the hell out of here this is not some fantasy land God damn. but so but, there's just too much content there's a lot of content yeah. and a lot to keep up with and if you don't have a good circle of friends that, that have good taste you might wind up crashing into a wall of content all of it won't be good so it's just a lot to choose from. What does that look Which like? Which is a good thing, but I mean, if you're if you're a person on a budget, it can be a little intimidating. That's all. Yeah. If you were to pay for things yourself. I mean, you could do some password sharing, which I think is a good it thing. It is possible to browse. Peruse. And, and to have that feeling you used to have at like a video store if you were walking up and down the aisles and you weren't sure yeah. what you wanted to rent, you know. I used to think beyond a certain point, just leave. You, you clearly don't know of anything you want to get, but you don't yeah. want to spend time and not come out with something. Oh, yeah. But I, I find that it's very easy for me to browse and spend 15 or 20 minutes browsing and then something will pull me away from the television and I'll, I, won't, I won't sit back down and I'll realize, oh, I was just confounded by all the options, you know? Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of stuff that seems pretty good. That's the other thing that it's not like you're choosing between all the stuff that sucks and maybe that one good thing. It seems like there's a, a lot, lot of, good, of stuff. good things. Yeah, that's my... Bah, I'm going to call an audible real quick, and I'm going to have a bah humbug right now that is not directed at you, mm. but I'm going to bah humbug those complaining about too much content. <laughs> That's okay. fair. But not to you. No, because no, Because no. it's been on my mind, it's and fair. I mentioned in the prior episode that like I always go back and forth with one of my coworkers about this. Just We talked about it just like, you know, on this theoretical podcast that maybe existed before this one in the feed yeah. about all the streaming It'd be great to actually get some answers. I would assume they'd have talked about this, which was that... This mystery you know, box storytelling, Steve. That it was like this idea of like, you know, too much and putting these things together and like, what am I missing? What am I not missing? I think the reality is, is that like, you're in a world now where like creators are able to create more than ever before. And if you're a creator, if you're 
inclined in any way or any form of art that would allow you to put <clears throat> your stuff into the world. Yeah. I think these platforms, these options are like a godsend in ways. Mm -hmm. You know, if I yeah. was uh, one of those people, I mean, I've had my experience like in other forms, but like speaking about movies or TV shows specifically, you know, if, if I was one of those, like I would see this as just the most amazing opportunity ever because mm -hmm. I don't know that maybe I would have an outlet if these kinds of things yeah. didn't exist or if there were more gates still, you know, there was if there was more gatekeeping happening to like larger things, you know, like if there was only two versus 22. Right. Yeah. Not that that's the case, but it feels that way, which is yeah. accurate. You're, you're yeah. absolutely right. It's easy right. to get overwhelmed. but It's, I, it's I get very overwhelming too. and I get that. I think the reality, though, of saying it's too much content, I think it comes down to it's there for you when you can find it. Yeah. It's not going to go away. It's there. Just like you find movies that you missed in years prior, yeah. you'll find it eventually. If it comes to the top, it rises to the top based on marketing or based on word of mouth or just you know your time being finally available to find it. The reality is that there's probably pieces of entertainment out there that exist that would have never existed without this option. This mm -hmm. is true. So I, I just feel like um, it's a fair it's a fair complaint to say, oh, God, I, I feel so overwhelmed because I say it all the time. Mm -hmm. But I don't feel like it's a problem. I don't feel like that. That's on me to say. Oh, yeah. I need to say, you know, I really want to see. Uh, I, want, I really want to check out C on Apple TV Plus. Okay. But I just don't have time. There's five other shows I'm watching. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to just note, eventually I'm going to get around to this. This thing's going to be in the world. I'll find it eventually. Yeah. But if the buzz surrounding it makes it so that I can't ignore it now, I'll just shift things around and find it. You yeah. know, And things will be have to just move around. So I, I don't know. I just think that like the idea that you have total control over it, however you want to view it as like there's too much, I, I just challenge you to kind of keep in mind that people are able to put more out than ever before. And, you know... That's a good thing, I think. You know, yeah. voices, uh, you know, experiences, cultures, like things are out there in the world that may never have been out there if this like change wasn't happening in our lifetime. Yeah. You know, and if you can't find stuff or it's overwhelming or in you know, like again, I'm sure everybody's experienced it, myself included. It's frustrating to be like, <laughs> fuck, I missed that show. What was it called? It yeah. came out a month ago and I forgot about it already. That's deafening and that, that hurts like when you hear so much and you just can't remember all the stuff. Yeah. But if you really want to be that person that watches all the stuff, take a note, you know, fucking be responsible in some way and like find it in the future if you really want to find it. Because the stuff that really is the best thing for you, you will find your way to, I think. Yeah. And I think that it's a great thing that there's just like too much content. Too much content. <laughs> I would I would reframe it into a lot of options. Yeah. This is gonna be like a triple Baham bug. I'm, and this is kind of vague. Maybe you guys can help me figure out what it is about this that bugs me. But mm. I'm on a bah humbug. It happened this year with Game of Thrones, which admittedly a flawed show. Mm -hmm. Maybe even the last season, some of those flaws were more on display for some people than for others. Um, but it feels like that show got consumed and spit out so quickly. Yeah. yeah. Like, I feel like I was very realistic about what they could possibly achieve sure. in a final season of that show. But even with that, I could feel it oozing out as that was ending, that the enthusiasm and the kind of cultural impact and the weight of this show it was always dependent on what what's going to happen. Yeah. And I will say that I guess what I'm bah humbugging is the, how quickly that went from like, oh, everyone loves this show, 
and everyone's talking about it and everyone's talking about what house they're from and everyone, you know, almost to the point where I, as a fan of the show, was like, wow, there's some people out there that are some super fucking fans of this thing. They need to calm down. That then when the show was over, it was just dead to people. And so many people, then the knives came out, people that were dissatisfied with that last season, as I said, or the way the finale wrapped up. It was suddenly like... It was it was dead and gone in such a way that now people talk about it like it wasn't even good. I mean, again, I can go toe-to-toe and talk about issues and flaws and problems maybe that I had with that show and how it was run and even how the adaptation was done. But the truth is, that show, those characters, everything about it, it became a household name because of the the show. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was this world that J- George R.R. R. Martin had created, but you needed some way, some vessel of getting that out into the world that was understandable. And those books are really dense and full of characters. And that show managed to create these iconic moments and and memorable things out of this. So I don't know. I feel like people talk about that show like it was like it was a failure. I don't know. Maybe you yeah. guys can help me put my finger on what, what rubs me the wrong way about that. Some of that really does have to do with, the again, the way that we consume things. The fact that there are so many things. But also there's something about the, the hyperbolic talk that exists in social on social media the way that people talk about things is like grossly exaggerated like you know you don't like something it's done yeah you like something it's good but those things could change so quickly people are fickle yeah people like a laugh more than they like the truth it's just a lot of things like you can't dismiss i mean one thing that connects us is that we have an appreciation for artistry, right? We joke around a lot. We, we're dismissive about some things. Yeah. But the artistry of it, none, none of us are dismissive about, right? So there's like a, a thing that exists in current culture where you could, everything can be reduced to a joke, no matter how hard you work on it, no matter how, with people who have never created things most of the time. Mm-hmm. So that feels a little dismissive of this whole, I mean, years Years and years and years of people speaking positively. But it makes me feel like, if the, is that the way people value things? Like, any anything is subject to change. Anything is subject to this scrutiny. And I don't know if it, I, I want to do that all the time. I don't want to dismiss everything that doesn't have an ending that I like. Right. The answer would be just to get off social media. I mean, mm-hmm. like Twitter is just a cesspool at this point of that type of thing. If, <laughs> if you're talking about fandoms, yeah. the, a lot of the stuff that we're talking about actually gets waged on Twitter. How do you feel about it, Steve? I agree with everything you're saying. I mean, actually, I had to, on my list like to talk about, too, as a bah humbug. I don't know if it was specifically with Game of Thrones, but it was just like of this, I mean... Like just toxic fandom stuff, like this, yeah. like this yeah. not a great example of it, but it just like this immediate like disowning of things when it doesn't like meet the story that you wanted it to meet. Like you just have the expectation, and you know you're you're waiting for a narrative to match that in some yeah. way where there's like fifty versions of it out there among fifty people, and it's like there's no way it's gonna be anything but one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like this is a reaction to that show specifically. It did seem like a unique thing, and unfortunately, it did kind of feel like the air was let out of a really kind of crazy experience over that last season. It was like required viewing. You but know? I mean, the hype going into that. It's insane. And then people yeah. walking away from it like, Ugh. Yeah, no, totally yeah. agree. No, 100%. Yeah. Right. Which again, Weird. the show is partly to blame for not doing something, pulling off more of a hat trick with regards to pleasing an audience. My, com- my bah humbug, if I could go, yeah. uh, is kind of the opposite. Like if you were to have a fan, this is the, the hater, the... The declaration uh, sort of culture. Let me let me give you an example of something, a, a, a tweet from a person like this. 
I've never seen an episode of Game of Thrones in my life, and I'm glad I haven't. Those people, the people that declare things like, you know, you don't have to see it. They just imagine it's shitty. They're like, people are dressed like, you know, this is Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like that that kind of culture of dismissiveness without consuming it, you know. And and I know it's a lot of it based on memes. You know, memes can really, or, or stills of shows can just lead, make way for jokes and stuff like that. But I'd say kind of just... just the dismissiveness that exists yeah kind of in the culture too like for 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 the fandom there's equal parts just hate without people having any facts yeah no that is it, like the next know? i mean like that is another level of the same thing of the, yeah the person who has a really strong opinion about something yeah, that they, that they have really seen. weird i've n- i've never seen an episode of the wire ever in my life <laughs> and i never want to it's stupid it's like just people it I, there are lots and lots of people who retweet people who just say things like this all day. I've I've never been, I've never done, I've I've never watched a Disney classic in my life. It's just like, what what does this do for like? What is it? Is it to be funny or I, just to? I think what it is is social media has become this thing where people it's just brain to whatever the platform you're using and. You know, everybody feels like their voice matters. And look, I think people do matter. I think it's so funny. It, this argument forces you to say things like that, but it's true that it's like every voice matters. Everyone's, yeah. except some people's voices are stupid. And mm-hmm. I don't want to have That's to okay hear them. have a stupid opinion. <laughs> but it's it a... is true that, like, you get by on the virtue of your ideas, you know, yeah. in, in that sphere. So it is true that if all you're doing is liking to tear things down or yeah. to kind of rebroadcast something that's really negative. It does start to seem kind of ignorant, like yeah. willfully ignorant, and it just sounds kind of stupid yeah. to be like it. Really wasting any energy saying, even though we're doing Baham bugs right now, mm-hmm. but just being negative for the sake of being negative. It you know any any time you see, like I think of that on uh, not just on Twitter but like on Facebook when somebody posts a, a movie they like, yes, and then people have to jump in and say this movie's stupid and it's overrated. And if people say, why would you say that? And they're like, oh, I suppose everyone's supposed to have the same opinion. And you're like, no, you could no. just not post on that. Mm-hmm. You don't know how many things I hate every day that I don't mm-hmm. comment on? I just on? don't say I hate this thing? Yeah, no. So that idea of you have to sound I feel off. like Steve probably gets a lot of that because he's like posting. And he's like, oh, I want to go see this movie. And people are like, you know what? That movie's trash. And you're <laughs> trash for watching that movie. Thankfully, I haven't really you don't have experienced a, that Well, much. good, good. I don't know that I have as much of a social media presence <laughs> As maybe you think I do. <laughs> I think you do. I, I think, think my you, friends and family. Steve, are I fairly, think you're hot in the streets. My friends, and, my friends and family are fairly nice to me, <laughs> and not and not coming at me. And if they do, I'll smack them. Yeah. <laughs> maybe shut your mouth. Yeah, they know. No, but I, I think know. it's super funny. Maybe because I have like a bunch of comedians for friends and, and you know creatives. Just these harsh opinions about things. Yeah. It's like, oh man. Well, that becomes the game. It's like if you if the the funniest harshest opinion is the yeah. one you want to hear, and that makes sense in comedy and on Twitter where you're trying to be pithy. But yeah, it does create this. You know, it's just, like there's this sea of snark that we're all swimming in, and it can be noxious at times. Snark without wit. Yeah. Is like, like ill-informed the por- snark. Poorest form of no, it's, humor. It's awful. It's really. Terrible to me. Like if if I don't mind you telling me you hate something, please make it creative. Yeah. Please make it funny. Funny. Like try to make it. I'm good with that. Yeah. But just to be like, <laughs> this show is dumb. Mm-hmm. I, all right. I didn't ask you. I didn't say, hey, have you seen the show? How is it? I, didn't I just tag said, oh. you. <laughs> didn't you say know, that. Right. So. But I don't think that person that wants to do that 
understands that because they see what they're saying as like an antidote to everybody liking something. Oh, yeah. And so like I know if I hate something and I see one person say they like it, I probably think, oh, some people like that thing. But if yeah. I see two or three people say they like it, it probably seems to me like I've seen 20 people say they like it yeah. because I hate it. Does that make any sense? Oh, yeah. So I think sometimes when people come in and they do that, I'm going to yuck your yum thing where they post the negative thing. It's like they feel that the that the discourse lacks this negative critical opinion that they need to interject into it. Yeah. And they don't know that from a distance, it seems like, no, it doesn't really lack that. It's just some people like it and some people don't. And you didn't really need to come in. And you're just kicking the sandcastle. Yeah. That's right. all it is. Yeah. It's like, you know, you build this nice sandcastle. <laughs> and maybe they're thinking, I don't mind when someone knocks over my sandcastle. Yeah. It might be true, but I doubt that they, it's, that's actually, I think a lot of times those people are thin-skinned about their own sacred so cows, too. you know. So yeah. to me, it just kind of seems like don't be negative unless you have to be or unless you're on a podcast where the point is to be negative, like, Absolutely. like we're being right now. Yeah. But yeah, there's a there's general theme of like the fan reaction to things that we become oh, yeah. conscious of. And, and I know you've complained about that in the past too, the, the hype cycle and how you get hyped too far in advance. Should we just drop out of... Is the answer to all of these complaints just we should stay away from social media? Yeah, I think... Because that's where the, all this happens. Yeah. Around yeah, the so. time that, like, bigger stuff, especially towards the Star Wars release, I'm off of social media. I'm done for a little bit. Yeah. Like, I'm going to give it the last two weeks right before it. I'm going to hold you to that. I'm going to watch. I'm going to try, man. I did it for Endgame because I was really nervous, more so for something being ruined. Yeah. yeah. People but, are just spitting out. I yeah. tried to ignore that stuff. And it's weird. You know, there's so many facets to that that you could almost take. You, you could talk about ten different instances of different ways that 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 social media life, that negativity, the way the way it offshoots of things. <laughs> here's the, the last it, ten minutes of the, the script from the new Star Wars movie. Right. Well, yeah. So, like here's here's all these JPEGs of this script. It's just that's. Like, I'm people... spoiling your fun. I'm <laughs> farting in your face. I'm slapping you when you're having a good time. So I, good. What, where does that impulse come from? Are they all trolls? Because so many of these people, if you click on their profile, They're they've eggs. got like 50 followers, yeah. if that, and they'll it'll be a picture that you think, well, this might not be them, you know, or it's an egg, yeah. or the description will be something that implies a sort of maga kind of thing or something there's just so many but i mean i always wonder is this a real person or not like yeah. is this is the level of trolling is just yeah but even if it's just trolling maybe i just don't get it i don't get the joy of trolling Me i know that people if someone's really enjoying trolling they would be saying you're, you're fucking, you just don't get it you just don't get it i'm having a blast over here to yeah. me it feels like it's so really fun. it feels like it would be like sitting in a diaper <laughs> that you had shit in and just wiggling around you know to there me that's too. what it seems like yeah Damn trolls. Well, Steve's your turn. <clears throat> My next uh, humbug is, um, I guess I'm just going to call it like stale IP. So this is mm. going to be things like over the this last year, I mean, just up until recently, the week that we're recording this, the weekend before, another reboot, relaunch of a franchise completely bombed at the box office. <laughs> But I kind of just want to like call out a few movies that over the last year that were like either sequels, reboots, relaunch, whatever. Hmm. You're starting to sound like me. Decade, well, <laughs> clarification here, friend. Um, like decade-old properties. You know, we've seen movies that have come up over the last, you know, five, ten years, like sequels that they missed the mark. They were far too late right. to like mm. capitalize on any kind of market that wanted to see another movie in that franchise. So mm -hmm. the things that I'd noted just quickly, like they came to mind. The prominent ones were the Men in Black International reboot. 
Terrible. sequel, whatever. The Terminator Dark Fate, the Hellboy reboot, and um, the new Charlie's Angels movie. So it just seems like this overall trend of... So there's all this conversation of like IP, 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 like it's king, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, studios, all they want to do is get it, hold on to it, and just exploit it. So it's just really, it's really weird to me that like taking chances on original movies, original concepts, possible new IP slash franchises seems to be like, you know, it's very risky to a studio. So they don't do it as often, which is really frustrating because we talked, one of the things we talked about earlier was like all these channels to do new things, creators, like get some new ideas out there, see what jumps, see what Mm -hmm. pops. Right. So like these movies that are coming out, movies admittedly, some of the, you know, uh, ancestors of these films, like I like, you know, love genuinely, but it just feels like there's some disconnect in what Hollywood is green lighting and putting 100 to $200 production budgets on to put out into day's cinema culture, of, yeah. which is completely different than it was two years ago, five, mm-hmm. 10, and in some cases, 30 years ago, whatever that sequel right. might've been. You know, the Charlie's Angels movies, for example, like weren't even 20 years ago. I think the first one was like 2000 and 2003. Yeah. So 16 years later, you know, they're rebooting it, rebranding it, a little bit of a different flavor to it. And it, it like, it's a big, 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 big disaster. Like it's going to lose lots of money. Yeah. Same thing happened like three weeks before with Terminator. You know, same thing happened back in the summer with Men in Black, Hellboy, all these movies. Same thing happened to a small degree with Dr. Sleep. Dr. Sleep. Which, little even, different, even but though it's yeah. different, it still had The Shining 2 or The Shining sequel or whatever branding could have been on Maybe that movie. Maybe it should have been called Shining 2. As much, well, yeah, you as know, a joke, but it should have. Well, in a way, in a, I mean, I know we're all saying that kind of half joking, yeah. but I'm honestly saying that like... Marketing. Well, like Dr. Sleep is a, is a terrible title. Yes. Not, not necessarily for that movie, but for marketing purposes and yeah. for getting an audience member to understand what they're going to see and a trailer for that movie that doesn't really sell you on all yeah. the shining elements, but it also doesn't sell you on what the movie is aside from that. Right. And it's trying to keep too much mystery. And I yeah. think what the reason I'm mentioning it, though, is because I feel like it falls into the category of some of the stuff you're talking about, Steve, where there's this almost like foolhardy confidence... And again, I think Doctor Sleep is in a different category because I don't think it was a particularly expensive movie. I think they spent some money on it, but it's not like it's some like of these 50. other. But it's well, oh, wow! So that's more expensive than I thought. Yeah. But um, it was kind of like a a stealth sequel to a movie that didn't seem like it was screaming for a sequel, and it doesn't seem like the kind of movie they would do a sequel for. And it's been this long, so why do it right. now? So I think that like they needed to. I, they needed to sell that movie more to people than I would have even thought. You know, I would have thought yeah. that it would have done better than it did based on just being a sequel to The Shining. The curiosity would be there. These horror movie openings are, are sometimes really big. But they did put it out like a couple weeks after Halloween, which seems kind of strange. Mm-hmm. And as we said, the name didn't connect the dots. But it's that confidence in what you've got. Like Hellboy. Like the, it's not like the first two movies were this... I mean, we all love... Guillermo del yeah. Toro yeah, yeah, yeah. and we wanted to see them do another one maybe or see what he would do with it or see we love Ron Perlman in the makeup it's like they miss the it's like they see the the, the shit at, at like the t-shirt shops and they see yes. the figurines and they see the fact that these are selling and this became a cult hit on video after the fact maybe we can do all we can turn all of that into 
name recognition equals box office, you know? And Hellboy is name recognition, as far as they thought. But it's like, they obviously way overestimated what the the value of that name recognition of Hellboy would be. I would think it's similar to, like, Dr. Sleep. It would have had to click with people. They would have had to have picked up on that thing to say, oh, that's the thing. That's the movie to see this weekend. That's the water cooler thing. That's the one that people are talking about. Maybe they should have called it The Shining 2, Dr. Sleep. I, honestly, I don't, don't think that title I mean, is like, that would have Or even The Shining, attention. colon, Dr. Sleep. Yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. That, that movie disappointed and surprised me, but it too was an example of its old IP that didn't do what yeah. the magic they were expecting it to do, which maybe, does that mean maybe we're going to get to the end, at least to some degree, of them banking on just the name of something? Because it's not like they I didn't try so. to make a good Hellboy movie, or they didn't try to bring in a team to do that, you know? And Dr. Sleep, I, I love. So I'm, I mean, all, anything I'm saying that's critical about the way it was marketed, I would love for that movie to have been more successful because I, I like so many things about it. But yeah. still, I, I think there is something kind of weird about that, like that reliance on a name that for the longest time has been like, this is the wisdom of, of Hollywood, that they know they can take these marketable names and get people in the theater. Well, if you can't do that, like what's go. the problem? Like, like wh- wh- why was Hellboy unable to connect? Was it on top of everything else? It just wasn't that special of a movie? I mean, even if the movie is good, you yeah. know, like even if it gets good reviews, like not that it got great reviews, but like the Terminator movie of the ones I just mentioned have like has the best reviews of the ones. Yeah, that maybe, one surprised me. Maybe I enjoyed sleep, it. But I mean like even even beyond being enjo- enjoyable, like I didn't, I, I liked it too. It was yeah. fine. I didn't like love it. But I mean, I just think that this idea of like, you know, the IP war that they have among these studios of like, we literally are looking at our catalogs and we're saying, what do we already have? What can we remake? What can we reboot? What can we spin off, franchise out, do whatever? Or or what can we modernize a little bit? Whatever the angle is. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's just, this thing is like failing time and time again. And like the box office is in such a weird state where like the only things that succeed are like big animated movies and superhero films. That's what everybody criticizes about the box office. Mm. But that said, there are movies that are coming out that are not those movies that still are succeeding because of a big swing or, or hitting a demo that is criminally underserved at the box office, whatever it might be. And some of it may be marketing. Who knows? Like Doctor Sleep is, a, is an example of that. And um, But I mean, it's more so like these, these aged properties that are like, you know, have history with a studio that they feel like they just have to do again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just hate that idea of like, you know, the Terminator, we've done like three other sequels that failed. They made money, but they probably ultimately lost money on those movies. So why do it again? Yeah. You know, maybe they'll do it again in who knows, probably five, ten years or do it again. I don't know. Like they bring back Linda Hamilton, James Cameron kind of vouches for this one. If that couldn't make it happen, it does seem like why would you come back? Now obviously someone's still gonna believe the Terminator name has got some value. Right. And, and maybe they'll come yeah, up with a pitch, you know. It's IP that they're gonna always try to exploit, but it's just like it's more of a frustration with, you know, because of all the content that's out there, there's so much. Yeah. Like you know, they're banking on these huge things that are getting these huge production budgets where instead they could be giving, you know, five movies a green light that yeah. they just give a budget to for, you know, one Charlie's Angels movie. Yeah. You know, like 10 movies that are just mid, mid-level mid movies that they don't make anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know it's a risk because they, those movies historically aren't making money at the box office now. But, I mean, you, I, I find like you, I, I feel like you can't just like resign to that fact. Yeah. You need to challenge that. You need to make a get out. You need to make a, even Ford versus Ferrari open this past weekend huge. 
30 plus million dollars, you know, mm-hmm. it's going to make over 100 million probably. You know, that's a big adult drama. Right. You know, not a small movie. It's a big budget, big stars, but it's not IP that existed. You know, it's based off of a true story. But I yeah. mean, like these kinds of things are like, I just feel so underserved at the theater. And I go to the theater all the time, you know, and I just feel like I'm getting sick of seeing like all of these franchises that at one point I loved just come out and just like fail miserably, not just financially, but just be bad movies. Yeah. Like stop making these bad movies that are sequels or retreads of movies that are so aged that the people paying for movies still, they don't want to see them. Mm-hmm. Like what, is, what are they not getting from these, this data, you know, this entire year, I don't need, I was trying to think of like one that was the exception of what I'm talking about. And maybe you guys can think of one that was like a sequel or like a reboot or of, of, of something of a, of a, you know, something that was more than maybe 10 years old, you know, that succeeded a lot, like wildly this year. It just seems like they're just so desperate to like re get, redo these properties that it's just like, go make a quiet place. Go make these, not even talking just genre. Like I'm just trying to think of things that pop in my mind that are just like original movies mm-hmm. that in that case is a franchise. Yeah. There's a sequel coming out next year. Yeah. You know, these are huge movies now. And they need to create that next generation instead of like, because I feel like a part of it kind of like tarnishes the brand. It does. You know, like I people think, think about Terminator and the only good thing is like, well, Terminator and Terminator 2 were great. You know, it's like, what about the other four movies yeah. in the franchise that are most people are like don't like? Yeah. You know, that's not good IP at this point. And yet they do keep coming back to yeah, it. Yeah, it's know? just crazy. It drives yeah. me nuts. It feels like old school regime versus a new. And I think that, so I think that the... the Home experience is yeah. pretty fast, you know, because they're serving people on a pretty fast scale. They're delivering the content right to your doorstep. That's one thing. But the movie industry f- still feels like it's in this archaic time where they aren't adjusting to, yes. like you said, the data. I mean, it's pretty obvious mm-hmm. now that they can go to social media. They can go to places and source the information and make decisions based on that. The problem is the change hasn't happened and yeah. they're still kind of banking on this idea. There's still a, a bunch of older people that are like, we got to grab from this bag and take this stuff. Mm-hmm. That's what works. Merchandise works. That stuff works if there's good versions of things. Like, okay, so for example, I was talking to somebody about Charlie's Angels. Could you imagine if there was a Charlie's Angels that came out, even if they wound up making another one? Maybe if they made another one that had kind of like a bridesmaid's twist to it, like funny women mm-hmm. uh, who are also attractive that were mm-hmm. actually like had acting cho- like comedy chops a little bit mm-hmm. like I, the problem is they have these people who aren't funny aren't necessarily interesting that are gorgeous easy on the eyes and this these like real rigid terrible stories boring villains yeah it's just kind of the same formula if you had something that felt a little new that was speaking to women in 2019 maybe I think the I people know. would be down. I just think that they're not adjusting. If they're going to do it, do it. Yeah, Is, do isn't it. what they were trying to do though with with Charlie's Angels? The new one, like it looks like it's trying to be nah, man. kind of a modern thing. No, I, I think I thought. It was yeah, awful, yeah, they're trying. It's like they were yeah, trying to shoot trying. for this kind of like, you know, hipper take yeah. on the material. It just looked horrendous. Like I don't yeah, know. Like looked real bad. So yeah, I didn't even see that that movie. Did it like super underperform? Charlie's. Yeah. Yeah, I think it barely made eight million. 
yeah. for the weekend. Wow. It was it was tracking at 12, which was like way low. And it came in even lower. Like not, they're saying it might not even make like $15 million. Oh boy, that marketing was 15. omnipresent too. Total. Domestic, domestic. See, that's nuts. Like all over social media. Like, like yeah, Instagram was nothing but ads for that. Yeah, yeah. Did not hit. People did not care about that. I didn't hear anybody talk about the movie. Not even a bad thing. That's weird. Like, yeah. somebody's like, oh, I saw it and it was it was nothing. What's next? Oh, is that my turn? <laughs> Talking about uh, Terminator Dark Fate. And I've, I'm sort of halfway in and halfway out on this trend. But I know something about Terminator Dark Fate mm-hmm. without having seen it. And it makes me question this thing of stepping back in years later and doing the sequel where you're saying let's ignore all these other sequels mm-hmm. so like you're talking about there have been four terminator sequels now that chances are if someone were to make another one they would they would be ignoring right mm-hmm. i mean they would try to they would have to rebuild something sure what do you think of that phenomenon i mean obviously they did that with the uh, david gordon green danny mcbride uh, mm-hmm. halloween 2018 and that worked for it in a lot of ways in that they didn't have to honor the crazy continuity of what the halloween series had become and yet Sometimes sweeping away all the inconvenient stuff and just making the movie that you'd like to make. Like, I get that. That's almost like an alternate story. But another part of me thinks if you're coming back to make part eight or Dark Fate or whatever it is, you should have to honor the series to some right. extent. Yeah, right? yeah. And and particularly, and this is where we get into, I guess maybe people, I'll put in some kind of spoiler warning so people can skip ahead. But I've heard what happens at the beginning of Dark Fate. And... I get that that's the kind of decision that James Cameron would make mm-hmm. on the story level coming back after all this time to say, well, how, how can we spin this off into a different direction? You know what I mean? Like in 2019, this decision to kill John Connor mm-hmm. in an unceremonious way. <laughs> on the beach? Like that makes sense. <laughs> Th- that makes sense in a, in like a, a, let's get this story going and surprise people kind of mm-hmm. way. But in a, what the first two movies that people love were all about and what that second movie, in fact, was all about, like erasing that just because it's for, for audiences, it's, it's been 30 years, yeah. you know, and we've had time to play around with this idea, right, of him being important. And now he's not important. And we're going to tell you he's not important. And we're going to tell you this new story. But it's like, that's the kind of decision you only make if you're trying to surprise audiences 30 years later. It's not the kind of decision you make if you were telling that original story yeah. and you were going for like, here's the next chapter. You probably wouldn't position that as Terminator 3. If you were James Cameron and in 1995, you're whatever, you were making Terminator 3, you probably wouldn't do that, you know? No way. But you do yeah. that years later yeah, when you're trying blows. to reinvent the thing. So I kind of think that this... Even though I've liked it in some cases and I understand it in others, I uh, and also the way that like Doctor Sleep is a sequel to The Shining, it honors certain things about the movie, but takes certain things from the books and it kind of swirls them around. I think that can be interesting and creative, and if you're a filmmaker, you definitely want the freedom mm. to do something unique. But part of what makes like say a new Star Wars movie or a new Marvel movie interesting is because they do have to deal with the baggage of everything that's come before it. And they they have to be creative and original in their storytelling and figure out some way to honor that stuff and yet move forward. And this idea of just let's sweep the board and use only the elements that we really like, it feels like uh, like there's a trap door built into that, which is that you're kind of making your own, the weight of that saga, that name, you're making it valuable, you're making it less valuable. So I don't know, does that ever 
seem strange to you guys? Or I mean, do you think it's, of it as just a plus that a filmmaker can come in and say, these are the elements I want to deal with? I think it's strange. I don't think it should happen. I mean, it feels very dismissive of all the other stuff. So I don't think they should do it. So specifically the John Connor thing, though. How did that feel when watching the movie? <laughs> it was weird. I, thought, I mean, my, my initial gut, and some, maybe somebody can convince me otherwise that if they care to, my initial gut reaction in the theater was like, was just very negative. I was like, that makes no fucking sense. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is completely, they're, they're, they're sacrificing that entire character arc from, I guess, from specifically T2. Yeah. You know, to say that there's other T-800s out there that look just like Arnold Schwarzenegger that are still coming to kill him, and he just gets killed on a beach, and there's no awareness, there's no, you know, like... I, I I get it. Someone out there is going to be like, oh yeah, that's the whole point is that like, you know, that was one battle that they won, but there's so many other, you know, wheels spinning in this attempt to kill this kid. But man, come on. No. I mean, like, I get what you're saying and you're right. Is that like, you know, now if you're just doing a sequel off of that film 25 years later or whatever, you're saying we got to figure out a way to like wipe the slate clean and hopefully yeah. create a new Let's franchise yeah. with this new lead <clears throat> lead character, Danny. You know, that that's going to take us off to the next franchise of Terminator, next version of the Terminator franchise. I did not like that, I got to say. Like, the Halloween one did not bother me at all. Like, whatever your feelings are about that movie, I don't feel like that did anything to really hurt, um, like, hurt any characters. Because, like, where Laurie Strode went in that franchise was kind of weak. And, like, logically, I feel like, and especially because you're looking at the same actress... 50 years later and that woman is now like an old woman and like that seems logical to me in that story i, I could yeah. buy that a little more yeah i don't feel like i lost any kind of emotional connection i had to that character don't you think it also helps that halloween had already re yes. rebooted itself with yes. the rob zombie films yes. and they already had brought laurie back yep. and killed her off yep. and like yep. made, tried to make a good one and made several schlocky ones yep. and it's like it had been through so many different things already that it actually makes a little bit of sense to say, let's go back to this elemental storyline. Like, yeah. and I, so I guess I'm agreeing with you that that decision works for me creatively. Whereas the Terminator decision, again, having not seen Dark Fate, I feel a little silly bringing it up. Mm. But it doesn't work for me just conceptually to do that. It reminds me of it's what's odd. Of Cameron was on the other end of this one, which is that at the end of Alien Two yep. or Alien Two, at the end of Aliens, we have a new set of um, characters. It's Ripley and it's Hicks and it's Newt. The girl and what's left of Bishop, the android. And at the beginning of the next movie, they wipe out everybody except for Ripley. And that seems strange because that was James Cameron setting up like a logical sort of this is the team for the next movie. Yeah. And then the next movie came in and squashed that. Yeah. It's weird to see him going back and doing a similar thing. Um, it just seems like a careless thing to do. I and mean, again, it's not like I'm particularly a attached to the idea of John Connor as a character or that mythology necessarily, but the whole thing is hinging on it. Yeah. And furthermore, I might to understand that what has actually happened in Dark Fate is that, but yet another company in the near future is going to do the same thing. Is that the premise? It's not, it's not Cyberdyne. Mm -mm. It's a different yeah, it's company. it's a different company. Yeah. I guess so how does that make sense? I mean, like that seems like you're making such a mash of, of things. So like, the logic was like, regardless of if you stop a company like that, another one will emerge. Yeah. And then when you get rid of that company, another one will emerge. I mean, but I get that as an idea. And maybe that's what you're saying, Steve, very... is there's a conceptual point you're making there. Right. But from a storytelling standpoint, it just doesn't seem like the story that you would set out to tell. Like, yeah. Well, if you're going to sacrifice that in the first 10 minutes, the yeah. story that's coming should be very creative yeah. or very original. And while I did like the movie, yeah. 
they're basically telling the same story, mm-hmm. the same fucking exact story. Same story. So why sacrifice a character that worked for two films of an arc, bringing back original characters that haven't been together in this franchise, digitally inserting, you know, a young Edward Furlong just to kill him in 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 one scene? Yeah. It's like if you're gonna do that and you're gonna make me have that gut feeling like that really, I didn't like that. Mm-hmm. You got to prove me wrong that you had to do that. And I don't think this movie, with the story that they went forward with for the rest of the film, was anything really creative yeah. or new. It's maybe updated, maybe more of this time, but it's not a new story. It's not something that you needed to completely undo that. Yeah. At you know, to, as a sacrifice or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, that yeah that that I didn't like that. So again, I feel bad <laughs> by humbugging something I didn't see, but when I heard about that, it made me think about this phenomenon. So I guess I'm tentatively given a partial bah humbug to this idea, uh, more so to say that if you're going to come in and you're going to sweep the, the board clear of certain sequels so that you can make the movie you want to make, just have a good idea. Like you said, Steve. That's it. Have something new. Have yeah. something bold you want to do. Don't just sweep away the old to reboot the old. Yeah. And, and that's kind of thing, uh, you know, even though I didn't like love the Halloween 2018, I think they did have something interesting to, to pursue with the Laurie Strode character. Watching the first Halloween with, uh, with my wife and son uh, a couple months ago, and then recently they were like, let's watch something spooky. And I saw that Halloween 2018 was on um, HBO. So I dialed it up and we were like, oh, cool. And it's like, it was fun realizing that... I don't think my wife's ever seen any of the other Halloween movies either. That for them, this is the sequel to Halloween. And it was cool to see how well it worked. So much so that at the end, when Michael kind of disappeared and you don't see him, and I told Henry, I said, you know, they're going to do more. This same team's coming back to do more. He was like, oh, he said, that won't be as good. He burned burned down at the end, you know? (laughs) And I was like, so to him, he still hasn't embraced that idea of like, A, that Michael Myers... No matter what you see happen to him, he might not be dead. Yeah. Which is, admittedly, I don't like that as a story point in any of these movies either. That, like, if you do a Friday 13th movie, you have to spend the first 15 minutes justifying how he's back, you know? <laughs> um, but also, it, it's, it just struck me that, like, he doesn't quite get the idea that even if the plan was to kill him at the end of this, even if we saw his, his, him being ripped apart and we saw nothing but ash left, if this movie is successful, they're going to figure out how to do it again. Yeah. And I said, so Henry, what would you rather? Would you rather them bring him back? Or would you rather see another character assume the mantle? I said, because that's really the only option these movie makers have. If they know this is successful and they want to make more money, it's someone else is the killer or Michael comes back. And but that's like on a teeter-totter of like, you can, your life of experiencing movies, you know how fans could react negatively to either one of those things. It's much safer just to bring Michael yeah. Myers back than it is to say someone else is the killer. Yeah. But with the right storyline, you could say, okay, we're going to do something bold with this franchise. But I think the way that movie ends as not showing you his dead body is very pointedly saying the door is open for this character to, uh, to return. But it was funny to see my son who at 11 still thinks a story is being told. And it's like, so he's like bummed out to think what, that doesn't seem like a really good story that they would bring. It's like, yeah, I know, buddy. at this point you need to realize it's not a story. Yeah. It's a franchise. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be like watching a soap opera and being sad that like <laughs> that character died. They're back. What? It's like, yes, the whole point is it'll happen. Yeah. It'll keep happening. That's what happened to me with comics. I realized at a certain point, like, this isn't telling a story. Yeah. And so I dropped out in my 20s. I'm, you know, now I'm, I'm more realistic about it. I can dip in and read certain lines. But at the, a certain point, I was like, this doesn't mean anything. They keep killing people and bringing them back. And <laughs> one writer comes in and undoes what the last writer did. So, yeah. That's crazy. It's weird for franchises to be that same way. We like to think there's a voice behind them. But it's really a company. Yep. 
Oh, it's my turn. Um, so my bah humbug. Last final bah humbug. De aging. Stop de aging. Oh god, that's people. a good one. Just have people the age that they're playing in the movie. I thought you were going that route when you brought up Terminator. Yeah. Because, Stop because of the yeah, oh. old stuff, the yeah. limits and stuff. Stop. Which wasn't a lot, but well, so how, is it a completely CGI Edward Furlong that's in this movie, or is I don't know to be honest with you. It looks I, like it. I, I don't know. I read. I thought I read somewhere that he like shot something for the movie, but maybe that was something that got cut. Mm. But it, it, yeah, it's. It, I guess it's CG. Do you come back when they say, "Hey, we thought of a way that your character is completely meaningless and not important at all, and we're going to kill you"? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, maybe that sign was, me up. Maybe that wasn't the plan because reportedly yeah. Tim Miller and James Cameron uh, butted heads heavily over this movie. Oh really? really? Yeah. So maybe there was something else because I I had read a while ago that he shot some scenes for the movie. But I'd be shocked if it was that scene because it didn't. I mean, yeah. it looks old now. Like, and floaty. He also yeah. looks very floaty when he. Does. Yeah, <laughs> He's yeah. like floating around. I'm with you on the de aging though, Ronald. It's so weird. Stop doing it. Just, it's like movie magic. Yeah, just have people the ages that they are in the movie, and you know, use some prosthetics if you must. But, jeez, stop doing it. Stop cutting off somebody's head and adding on the CGI head. It just looks strange. Yeah, it's not there yet. That's what I it's want not, to say. I want to say you guys have gotten some not, pretty cool moments in the where we're surprised, but it's not quite there yet. So I'm you're doing, not blowing our minds. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not blowing our minds the way that you think it might be. It's, yeah. It makes them look all weird. Even in some movies where it's very briefly used, it's it's odd. Like Michael uh, Douglas in the uh, Ant-Man movies when they throw yeah. in a flashback. It's like he looks okay, but there's certain parts where you're like... His face something is doing weird. something weird. Like it's like Henry Cavill's face with the digital mustache yeah. removal in Justice League. It's just you you don't want to be looking at someone's face and going, That's there's something weird about yeah. their face. This feels instinctual. You look at somebody like, that's not human. Yeah. <laughs> it's like no, it's very true. Strange. It's just very animal instincts. All right, but Steve, yeah. what's your final humbug? You were kind of getting at it a little bit. You mentioned Doctor Sleep. My final humbug was uh I guess people studio I don't know. We're sleeping on Mike Flanagan. Yeah. And it really bumps me sleeping. out. Yeah, I don't want to say sleeping because I'm not trying no, to no, make no. a pun out of it. You're basically I mean, saying you were going to start writing headlines for uh, I, Variety. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just feel like, you know, we, we're fans of his. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I love Dr. Sleep. I know you saw it. I don't know if you've seen it yet or not. I have not. I, I want to. Um, it's really good. It really fucking bums me out that this guy cannot find box office success in right. any way. Yeah. He has a Stephen King property that is a great film. He had a decent budget to make it. has an amazing cast. And it fucking bombed. Yeah. He did the sequel to Ouija, or Ouija, whatever you want to so call good. it. Yeah. The sequel that he made was so good. It's so good. It's such a great little horror movie. It's it a good bombed. standalone yeah. movie. The first Ouija made like $100 million, and it was a shit show. Yeah. They make a sequel, have a really good director really come good. in and do it, movie bombs, what the fuck. Yeah. The only place he's found success is Netflix, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Hush, really good movie. Gerald's Game, really good movie. Haunting of Hill House, one of my favorite shows ever. Yeah. But like the only place that he's like getting the attention he deserves is on Netflix. I do not like we talked about the marketing. I think that's a big problem with what happened with Doctor Sleep. But I am really bummed out about just like another miss for this dude at the box office. Yeah. I know he's doing this in a, he's part of the next season for The Haunting of Bly Manor for Netflix for the, you know, the sec, the sequel to well, second season of this series and he's got some other things Midnight Mass is a movie he's working on that sounds really cool I don't know if that's gonna be in a theater or Netflix but I just really am bummed that this guy is not like getting to the 
I'm not even trying to compare, but like into the James Wan, Jordan mm. Peele right. echelon of like box office hits. No, I would I would it. definitely look at. I mean, I know James Wan is a special case because of his the hits he's been associated with and the kind of big movies he's yeah. been associated with. But if we just look at Jordan Peele for his genre work, I would love to think that Flanagan could at least. I know Jordan Peele's like a phenomenon, but like to could operate in that zone of like just the mainstream picking up how yeah. good his movies are. Like that, that 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 this is a, a genre movie with 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 a little plus added to it. You know that it's not it's not typical of the genre. It's yeah. actually adding to it. It's so weird to me that he's not connecting with a wider audience. Yeah. I mean, Haunting of Hill House does seem like it kind of did, but it also has that Netflix binge. Does that? Yeah, I mean, t- working in its favor. I I really wonder if people even know that Doctor Sleep is from the guy that did Haunting of Hill House and that that is also the Gerald's Game guy and the Hush guy and the Ouija guy. It's like there's got to be some way to connect these dots. And yeah, I'm with you, Steve. Why is he not more of a name? Not to take anything away from Jordan Peele, who's amazing, but he's a name. Give give it to them. Mike Flanagan is not a name. I'm saying the talent's there, the skill, the mastery. I, I, I legitimately think he... I mean, you know, whatever it is, even if it's Netflix, whatever, like five, ten years from now, he's like going to be one of the ones. Yeah. And I, I genuinely believe it. Like, you know, there's other filmmakers in the genre, horror guys that are making movies that are getting, you know, a lot of attention that have really great followings and critical success films and but can't get a big hit in the theater. Like people like um, like um, Ari Aster or like uh, Robert Eggers, like they have like horror films that are like more critical yeah. darlings and, you know, of that quote-unquote elevated horror genre that somebody created but i mean i just feel like flanagan makes these movies that are like if you're a fan of the horror genre whether you're in that group or just like like the slasher flicks whatever it is whatever your taste is i feel like all of his movies even oculus which i love like they're just really great movies yeah they don't fall easily on either side of that fence of the elevated versus sort of more visceral horror he's he's kind of down the middle yeah. like he's doing something a little different that's, that's interesting yeah i love him and i think I, I i hope people find him i mean obviously like you said he's definitely found success i mean hill house and things like that got him to this point that he's like yeah. doing a big like sequel to the shining mm-hmm. but it just seems like you know mismarketing branding whatever maybe they should have leaned more into the shining thing brought to you by the guy that did hill house mm-hmm. like that sounds like an amazing combination. Yeah. You know, but people don't know that. Like, nobody knows who directed this movie. Nobody knows it's a sequel to The Shining. Most people don't. Yeah. And it's just a bummer because I, I was really looking forward to, like, this time of year just hearing a lot of people talk about this, like, breakout hit. And it fucking bombed. And the thing is, it me. does deserve to be one. I mean, like... It does. It really I both does. said, it, it works way better than it should. It's, it's great. Looking at the elements on display, it, it, it works way better than yeah. it should. So, yeah, yeah. Why, is, why is Mike Flanagan not... One day, one day. And then he'll come on the podcast and he can thank us. <laughs> well, my uh, last Baham Bug is also sort of like a, an appreciation of someone. So we'll wrap it up with a slightly positive vibe. But this is a, a, a quick nod to the fact that this was sort of a lost year for Movie Schmovie. And there were a lot of things we normally do or would have done this year that we didn't get to do. And I thought about the movies we didn't really talk about because they went by in times when we weren't doing episodes. Like we didn't really talk about Toy Story 4. We didn't really talk about the end the, the sad end of the Fox X-Men franchise mm-hmm. with Dark Phoenix. Those could have been episodes. But the episode that I think I missed the most this year was the uh, the Schmovie Awards episode. Mm. And I thought the award that I most missed this year, because there was one that was such a shoe-in, that, you know, we usually have the, the, the one of the big awards at the Schmovie Awards. If you haven't heard them, folks, go back and listen. There were six of them, I think, um, five or six already. 
We used to call it the annual. If we ever go back to doing it, we'll have to call it the mostly annual mm. movie awards. But Not often enough. <laughs> but there's one award called the Whose Year Was It? Mm. And we've had a few really good people in there, and that's the person who popped up in a lot of things, and we all like them. And it's fun to kind of see us all sort of agree on that person who we thought kind of carried the year. And there was someone who in 2018 was in so much good shit and good in so much good shit. And I was I was looking forward to seeing this person easily win the Whose Year Was It category on the Movie Awards. Well, that didn't happen. So now I'm going to make a, a, a unilateral decision that this person would have won Whose mm-hmm. Year Was It this year. And I'm just going to say that in 2018, this person turned in uh, memorable performances in... Mm-hmm. If Beale Street Could Talk, Widows, White Boy Rick, Ooh. Hotel Artemis, the television show Atlanta, and closing out the year with a very memorable turn in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. You guys know who I'm talking about. Brian Tyree Henry. An amazing actor. And I was really looking forward to saying so. This is you. It's a and, good one, man. And we didn't get to. So I'm just going to give this is a bah humbug to the fact that back in the spring, like we didn't it. get to say... He's that so good. Brian Tyree Henry is amazing. He is. And I'm really excited that he is, he's got a major role in The Eternals, the, uh, yeah. one of the next big Marvel movies, which also has Kumail Nanjiani in it, which if you didn't know that already, you know it from watching him. Anytime you see him now, he's all built. Yeah. I'm not quite sure what to do with, a, so with a, a built Dinesh on, uh, <laughs> that's his character's name on Silicon Valley, right? Yeah. 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 Anyway, cool. so that's it. Bah humbug to the fact that we didn't get to say hooray. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so this is the thank yous, right? Now we're moving into the okay. thank yous. First thank you is A24. Man, I'm, I haven't watched all the movies in the 2019 slate, but I have seen a little bit of Farewell. I did see Midsummer the other day. You saw a little bit yeah, of man. one of them? Because it's all subtitles, and I'm not, I wasn't mentally prepared. I thought I was. You know, you're like, oh, I can watch this. And I'm like, 20 minutes, I'm like, oh, I can't do this. Uh, the Last Black Man in San Francisco, I've seen, uh, and really looking forward to Uncut Gems, and I will see Lighthouse. Oh, Uncut before. Gems looks amazing, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, A24, we always talk about it, we should actually have an episode for them. But, yeah, thank you. Yeah, we you. should. Thank you, A24, for putting out solid, solid content. Now, we said we would do an episode about A24 when there was a logical stopping point. Mm-hmm. Is there a movie after which we can say, we've all seen this, now it's time to do the retrospective on A24? It seems like... There's never a stopping point, you know? But can we look ahead? Is there something that seems like a... I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to look at their schedule. But, you know, yeah. it would be nice to sit back. That'll and... be on you. You decide. You're the okay. uh, resident A24 right. Sounds good. stan. Uh, my first one's going to be... So th- this maybe is a pre... Like maybe a, like a little teaser for maybe this year's movie where we do one. Yeah. Uh, but I'm thankful this year for just being reminded how great Keanu Reeves is. Oh yeah. Not that I ever really forgot, but, um, just being like seeing him in John Wick three and like being, you know, convinced and and even more sure that that's one of the best action franchises around. Yeah. Um, seeing him, you know, as Duke of Boom in Toy Story four, which again, you know, we didn't mention a whole lot of that. It It was great in that. Um, he had a small, in some alternate universe, we had a very like emotional, episode and a very heartwarming episode about there Toy were Story kleenexes 4. involved right, yes right. i i see what you're saying yes 
Um, he was also had a great little cameo, short, small role in uh, Always Be My Maybe, which was Ali Wong's rom com. Oh, yeah. On Randall Park on Netflix, which was, he was fucking hilarious. And in. tweaking his image as like the nicest guy yeah, in the world. Yeah, too. totally. Just yeah. self aware of that. Yeah. That's a certain level that actors arrive at where you get to make jokes about being a total jerk. Yeah. Because people know <laughs> yeah. that you're not one, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'm not a gamer, but you know I, the cyberpunk game that he's a part of is apparently a huge thing. He was also funny in the Between the Two Between Two Ferns the, movie. Yeah, the, yeah, that Netflix movie. He's, um, he's just got a lot of stuff coming out, and like you know, he's always been like just such a cool guy and like just a good person. It seems, and it's just good that he just had an amazing year. And I feel like of the conversation you have like around movie stars, I'm not saying like he opens and he opens movies. Like you know, the John Wick franchise is maybe the exception, but I mean. Having like a positive movie star, like people like rally around him, you know, and I, I love that. Yeah, and people I think love it's him. Like a, it's just a good thing to be like excited for him to be like, just he was a part of every cycle of news for like a few months, and even still, like he was in the SpongeBob trailer this week, and like people are like going nuts, mm-hmm. and he's like voicing like a, a like a fucking a, a ball of well, I don't even know what it was. It was a tumbleweed. Like, tumbleweed, yeah. Um, and he's got the Bill and Ted movie next year. Like, just whatever, man. Just let's do it. I don't think people are prepared. Now, I might be I might be like the Hollywood idiot who thinks the franchise, the name, is going to carry some weight. I don't think people are prepared for how many people are prepared to love Bill and Ted 3. Whatever yeah. form it takes. Yeah. Whatever it is. There so is the so episode... much goodwill towards Keanu and towards Alex Winter and towards that property and the, the way they've been Solomon, stoking yeah. the sort of fan... Involvement and appreciate this only exists because fans wanted it after all this time. I feel like that movie has the opportunity to be such a blast of goodwill yeah. uh, that we haven't seen, bef- you know, at least in recent years. Something that feels like if it's really good, it will be earned. Do you know I what I mean? I hope it's not an sa- example of my, my bottom. Yeah, no, like, no, you're right. Like, you're right. This is something that it's like you just said, like fans wanted, you know, and like it's been gestating a long time, like up and down, up and down. Uh, will they, won't they? You'd like to think and they it, wouldn't do it if it weren't something special. Right. And like it took time to get it to happen. And and money coming from different places and like taking less money as an actor like it's amazing that it's happening and like i just think it's a good time because keanu is like at peak keanu right now mm-hmm. so it's only going to help the movie but um well when does he become like betty white or someone like that <laughs> where it's like okay we love him but we're, we're we're still sick of hearing how much we love him i don't know i think it'll be a while you know what i think the secret Ride is the wave you you have like we, we had them with matthew mcconaughey we had the mcconaughey right and with Keanu, we've got the Keanu sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think if your name lends itself to merging with the word Renaissance really easily, you've got a shot. You got a shot at absolutely. having one of these cultural moments. Yeah, people love Portman. Let's ride it. I, I'm a fan, yeah. and uh, no, but we love him. I mean, it's funny that everyone at this dude. table loves. I think it's like honestly, I, I he's probably in my top five like celebrities you'd want to be st- stuck in an elevator with absolutely. or something like that. <laughs> he just seems like a good guy. He's got like some of that. Some of that, you know, Harrison Ford rescues people in his helicopter and Jack Bauer, or pardon me, Kiefer Sutherland, uh, yeah. tries to, like, tackle muggers type thing. Like, he's got some of that vibe of he seems like he's a good guy and, like, he would try to help you. He would, he would yeah. if he saw you with a flat on the side of the road, he would pull over and he would be chill about it or something. Yeah. Yeah. And supposedly when he came to do Between Two Ferns, he totally got it. And they were saying, like, you know, we're going to be kind of mean with some of these. And... um and he said, "Oh, I know. I love the. I love it. Like, yeah, yeah. I hope you are. You know, it's yeah. again. It's just like he seems like he gets it, and he seems like we love to see someone who seems to be like fully aware of what they are and who yeah. they are, especially someone who's had a career for so long and could have this weird distorted perception of themselves. He seems to know. He seems to know what how how much Keanu is worth. You it's know, interesting, man. It's, it is very interesting. Yeah. 
And to be able to go back in the same year, even like in the middle of all that, the, the Matrix had its 20th re-release, 20th anniversary release in like the Dolby screens, and I went and saw it at the uh, Columbia Theater, and it was just like phenomenal mm. just to watch like in the peak of this conversation, like there's the star of the Matrix, and like 20 years later, he has one of the top movies of the year, he's in a second top movie of the year, he's, you know, this game and announcing a Matrix sequel and build, you know, it's like all this crazy shit's happening for him, and it's just like a... It's a good thing. I yeah. Mean, I, love, I love me some Keanu, so that's my number one thing this year. Well, my first choice, not my number one. I like Keanu Reeves a lot. What about you, John? Well, my first uh, schmanks, um, it's, it's a simple one. It's just one word. Now, my list this, this year is an odd one because I didn't, I didn't watch as many movies this year as, as I might normally have because I was wrapped up in this, this basement remodel, which is basically finished at this point i love it i went back and listened to last year's episode where we were doing this where we were doing giving schmanks and baham bucks and we were the remodel had just started then and it was very <laughs> sad hearing how much i um i was like we found these these contractors they're real characters but we've we think they're gonna do good work you know i had no idea how yeah. bad that decision Little was did you know yeah go back and listen to the uh 2018 episode if you want to hear me really uninformed about how my year was going to go so this year was kind of a year that like fell off the calendar for me in a lot of ways because we had this one big project. So I did a lot of things other than watching movies. And one mm. of the things I did a lot this year was cooking. And I got to say, you know what I'm really into now? And I want to I want to just say I'm thankful for and I'm glad I can express myself through garnishes. Garnishes. Garnishes, man. You, you're, about to huh. hand, you're about to hand someone something you've made for them. Yeah. And you're like, this looks okay. Okay, go chop up a scallion. Boom. A little coarse ground black pepper Boom. maybe. Crush up some nuts. You can toast those bitches if you want to. <laughs> or you could just throw them on there. A little, a little cotija cheese. Garnish. Just Garnish. a handful of it. You've, we've all seen the video of the guy throwing the spice. Yeah. Be that guy. Be the guy Garnish. who's like dashing the spice on something. Salt give, give some yeah. motion to the plate. Absolutely. The person who receives a plate that's got a little garnish on it will almost always go like, mm, well, wow. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But if you okay. just hand them something, they'll be like, what's this? And you'll say it's ravioli. And they'll go, okay. So yeah, garnishes, folks. And anybody who hears garnishes, here's what I just said about garnishes and thinks I'm missing some. Like I've, you know, paprika looks good, but you don't want to add too much paprika flavor to a dish. Yeah, pepper's kind of the same way. Yeah. If anybody can help me out, I, I you know, crushed nuts, ground cheeses. Um, I, I want to know more. If anybody's got some suggestions of other garnishes, garnishes. I'd love to hear it. But cool. I'm just saying, guys, it really dresses up a dish. Garnish. Makes everybody feel special. <laughs> Garnish, cool. Um. My pick is actually uh, something that we kind of humbugged, but it's social media, particularly Facebook. And yeah. I say that because Facebook is uh, often shunned by the younger generation as like something that kind of uh, sucks. It's terrible. But I remember something like it's for old people. Yeah. That, yeah. All of my family is there. And there, there are times when you're, you, you know, you're, you're seeing movies, you're experiencing things media wise and you can't go to everybody's house so posting about it and interacting through these things is a really nice way to communicate with somebody halfway across the country halfway across the world and it's nice to have debates about things that are currently around movies tv shows with people sometimes i forget yeah. you know even if it's somebody that complains i'm like this person's in Kentucky complaining, and I wouldn't have heard this person's voice uh, nagging. It almost voice distorts through text that friendship in a weird way because there's people that I know way more about, yeah, than I that. actually know. Yeah, 
And I feel like some of these people, if I saw them in person, they would be like, hey, John, because yeah. it's like we know each other way better than we could have before. I agree with you. I think Facebook is like a sinking ship. People are leaving it. Yeah. People talk smack about it. But there's a certain set of social interactions that would completely disappear yeah. from my life if I was not on Facebook. I wouldn't have it And I'd be else. bummed about some of that. There's certain people that I am, honestly, I feel like I'm friends with that I have an almost entirely Facebook-based yes. relationship with them. And I don't know if that's cheesy or not, and it's, it's still better to know them in person, but yeah. in lieu of being able to be in the same place, it's great to have that sort of checking in with folks. And the way Facebook is set up, I have not seen another social media app that quite captures Nothing. that level of what it does. And I know we hate Zuckerberg, and he's, oh, he's yeah, worse than yeah. the emperor, yeah, and, and, and he's evil and everything. But as far as like what it does, what it provides, there is this like ease of contact with people that is... Kind of irreplaceable in some yeah. ways. Yeah. Okay. Cool, man. Facebook. So yeah, you're not too cheesy for saying that. <laughs> yeah. But then again, think about it. So I'm a 46 year old white guy in the suburbs saying, no, Facebook's good. <laughs> Facebook's but I know what you mean. I've got friends that I'm like, I wouldn't be friends with this person at all if it weren't for specifically Why? the way this the way this app lets us interact. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's nice to be able to. Uh, my next thanks is going to be uh, just HBO in general. I feel like in a year where we just talked earlier about HBO getting a lot of shit for Game of Thrones and the way it ended, um, I just find that probably this year more than any year recently, I've been watching a lot of series on HBO and like thoroughly enjoying them. Mm-hmm. Um, Chernobyl fun. being one of them. Chernobyl being so one of the good. one of the top ones. That <laughs> honestly, that and Watchmen are the two that came to mind first. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, loving Watchmen. Week after week, more more than the prior, mm. and Chernobyl was just like a fucking amazing. Like it's so incredible, um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just like you mentioned on the podcast prior that we did, you know we did about the uh, streaming services. Theoretically, if we had done yeah. one, you would have mentioned it. Um, you know, just, we'll just like never that, know, that, Steve. That, that quality of the HBO show and like just the their ability to develop a show to a point of such like just impressiveness, you know. Mm-hmm. Just thinking about like, you know, finding my way in to succession and just being obsessed with that show and loving uh, Righteous Gemstones and, you know, even oh, seeing Veep go out and, you know, this being the last season of Silicon Valley. Yeah, but they're not, like, everything you just said makes me realize, like, they're not, like, you, every time one of their big shows ends, you think, like, well, maybe HBO is losing ground. No. But everything yeah, you just no. said, half of those are ongoing shows, Succession, yeah. Yeah. Watchmen. These aren't, I mean, it's not quite the water cooler thing that, say, The Sopranos was or The Wire right. was or became. Right. But it's there. I mean, it's in that neighborhood. Right. I, I yeah, got to catch up on Watchmen. It's amazing. There's yeah. so there's just so much greatness. And I mean, talking about the streaming and just like what I would pay for. I mean, the quality of these shows being available and whatever they put out in, in, in the summer next year is like a no-brainer for me. And I think, you know, even, even shows like uh, that I kind of watched after the air, like Euphoria, just like really interesting filmmaking and um, Barry. I mean, like one of the best comedies out there. It's just like there's so much great content and like there's not a ton of it, but what what's there, you know, in those time blocks, like those Sunday night, those 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 cycles of this that that Sunday night block of like whatever it is, eight to ten or nine to eleven. It's mm. just like it's just it's so good and just like what they have coming up next year looks amazing. The Snyder cut. <laughs> Snyder cut. Yeah, yeah. Snyder cut. Um, but, um, you know, just like even just like Watchmen specifically, like seeing Lindelof basically being able to take this and just like go for it. You know, this this thing that is really it really is like his own thing, but still like kind of enough of the property that you, you it's and it's more and more tying it to it. 
you know, and some of the commitment and, and not to spoil anything in the most recent episode is even more just like impressive to commit to certain elements of like the source material, mm-hmm. even though this feels so different in so many ways. That's just something that is like really special. And I just think that it's like when I think about the shows that, you know, are the remnants or the, or the last pieces of like this, um, like this mass consumption of like a cult as a culture, like what shows we talk about all yeah. at once. I just think like as a whole, it seems like HBO probably still has their hand in uh, the, the handle on like those are our shows. You know, like there are exceptions on Netflix and Hulu. Like they have like, you know, Handmaid's Tale, I feel like is a good example or Stranger Things. You know, the, they have their they have their horses in the race. But I think at any given time, like HBO has got like two or three. Yeah, and that's like just something that I don't know. I I've kind of wavered in and out of over the past couple of years, but this last year, I just found myself kind of settling back into catching up with ones I missed. Mm-hmm. To your to your first point about all the content, and just finding like an appreciation for like fuck, they make really good shows. Yeah. Could Steve tying it all together? Look at me, man. Yeah, it's it's a good if one, only man. this was our last episode ever, we could just end it right there. <laughs> no, but you're right that like that that question of like, are they out? Is this it? It's right. never, it's, the right. answer has never been yes to right. that, you know, yeah. not yet yeah. anyway. So, cool. all right. I guess, um, last time when we did this, I, one of the shows I was thankful for, I was talking about sort of comfort food in the form of being able to stream shows. And at that time I was saying the office was a big show that my family had gotten into. And I discovered that in the last year, I think that that kind of reached critical mass where now that's what people say about the office mm-hmm. is that they're watching it for yep. the third or fourth time through. And it is, it has become the sort of show that you can just put on in this year with the remodel and everything in addition to cooking the show that was like the best blast of like uh positive energy this year that we watched and we kind of devoured it once we got into it on netflix but schitt's creek Mm, so funny it's like funny but what makes it special and what makes it one of my shows or one of my things i'm thankful for as its own cultural impact you know is just the fact that it is positive it's it's you, you've seen like the Bluth family on Arrested Development. And so you might think you know what the Rose family on this show is, this idea of a bunch of rich people who are lowered to... I mean, the, the, the premise is they lose everything except for this town that the dad bought for the son as a joke at some point. And so the, they have a place to go where they're, where they're put up and everything. But it's basically just a high-concept sitcom where it's rich family in Podunk Town and they don't have money anymore. So it's a really simple concept. And it could be set up for all kinds of mean-spirited humor about how podunk the town is and how awful and shallow the right. rich people are. But instead, within a season or two, it carves out this niche where it's like rather than watching the Ricky Gervais cringe comedy, you see moment after moment and plot after plot where someone almost does something that really embarrasses everybody or almost does something <laughs> really cringe-inducing. And maybe there's something kind of Canadian about it. It is, it is co-created by yeah. Eugene Levy and his son, Daniel Levy. Um, so there's this kind of like uh, Canadian politeness to it. But it's like, imagine cringe comedy filtered through people that are going to apologize to each other later, and you have the vibe of this show. It's like, it's never too mean. It's never too sweet. It's never too silly. It, But it has surprised me at times with how heartwarming it can be. Mm. And, and I mean, Eugene Levy, who has just, he's done so many great comic turns. He's playing a relatively straight character, but he's just like a handsome, older dad who's trying to be the nice guy and trying to do what's right. right. And you would think, well, that sounds kind of like a bland character. But there's so much comedy involved in watching him get slightly embarrassed and try to soothe people and Catherine O'Hara is just one of those comedy ninjas like she is yeah. delivering shit it's so amazing and yet 
her character is still somewhat grounded and somewhat real. And then the co-creator of the show, Daniel Levy, the Eugene Levy's son, like he's he's a great comic creation too. He's playing like this super self-centered kind of scenester that we've seen before, but we also see that he does care about people. And when he offends someone, he tries to put it right. So it's like, without maybe, I don't know if they were deliberately saying, let's make a nice show. The show continually surprised me with where where another comedy would go mean. Right. This This show goes towards... Showing you it can still be funny, even if at the end of the day, people are, are caring about each other and yeah. po- being polite to each other. And so it sounds schmaltzy and cheesy. It's not that. But if you watched it, you would get into the rhythm of it. Um, but it was such a refuge with all this shit that was going on this year, just going up to the bedroom. And, we, you know, my wife would say, you want to put on a Shit's Creek? And it would be like, this is the show that I can watch two or three episodes in a row before going to bed. And it just left me feeling peaceful at the end of the day. And I think that's something I don't always wish for that, mm-hmm. but it's really special when something can give you that like good vibes. Yeah, yeah. That's a rare thing for, for entertainment to have. So yeah, if anybody hasn't been watching it, Shit's Creek, give it a shot. Let, let it run for a few episodes. Let it kind of get its, its hooks in you. And you'll start to believe that, uh, there really is a town where people are this, a small town where nobody's racist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So I think this is my last one. This will be your last one. Okay, so mine is a uh, women creators. So two of them stick out of my mind in 2019: uh, uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Oh yes, and uh, Lena Waithe. So uh, these are two women, very different voices, but the specificity of their voices and the perspective that that they bring, I don't think I have ever seen. So like. Uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge wrote uh, and stars in Fleabag. She's also in a show called Crashing um, and writes uh, Killing Eve. Killing Eve is a a cat and mouse sort of show about a serial killer. And the relationship that this cop has with this serial killer is out of this world. There's like anger, borderline hate sexual tension mm-hmm. but all not done in a way from a male perspective it doesn't feel like super sexual it feels like it's a sexual attraction but it's more of like a an admiration for the beauty of a person mm-hmm. it's it's really cool and uh with lena waith her acting career is kind of taken off um and uh she uh, produces the shy she wrote the pilot episode and also uh wrote the screenplay for queen and slim which has a lot of buzz. So two women who have this incredibly specific sort of voice that is relatable to all, you know, if you kind of take it in and sit down, really good perspectives. So big fan of women creators. Those are the two that kind of stand out in 2019. Now, I almost said like diversity or, I mean, like, I don't want to give Hollywood too much credit, Mm -hmm. but there are, it's starting to slip through. You see some of these names on some of these, like who's, who's getting a direct big projects, who's who's getting approached, who's being given the, these jobs that, you know, probably should have been spread out a little more evenly yeah. all along. But I, I, again, I don't want to say it's happening. I don't want to be like Pollyanna about it, but it does seem like there's more, even if it's just because the those people, the, the bean counters know that they can make money off of diversity. Right. I don't care if it results in yeah, more voices stuff, being yeah. heard, but it does seem like it's, it's still a meritocracy. A lot of these people are still some of the most talented people working. Yeah. So like Phoebe Waller-Bridge, like she's, you know, she's, but didn't she do a script polish on the new Bond film? Yes. So that's the kind of gig you get when people know you've got the goods, you know? Yeah. So that's a good one. Cool. All right, Steve, your final thanks. My final thanks is uh, Avengers Endgame. 
Oh wow! I, oh. I, I just and more specifically, just that 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 experience in the theater with a the crowd that is enjoying something as much as you are. Mm-hmm. So I mean, like you know, it's we've said tons about this movie, and I don't want to say it again, but basically, just the idea of something coming to that kind of culmination, you know, in today's movie going experience, you know, like you know, you get used to going to theaters now, and there's like maybe twelve people there, like it's. The experience is so fragmented now that, you know, you're not really experiencing it with a crowd anymore like you could be. And you're maybe going just to really experience the movie in, in this technical, you know, environment that you really maybe were intended to see it in. So when you can still accomplish that, but also see with a crowd on opening night that are as excited or more excited than you are, you're all in the same... And everybody's vocal in a way that is yeah. actually fun and part of the experience. Yeah, it's yeah. not really... No one's in there to like really, you know you know, cause any problems or like hinder anyone's experience with the movie. It's really just like, how can we elevate this experience that we're having together? And you're all just kind of like buzzing. You can like feel there's like an energy that you don't really ever feel yeah. in a movie. And I, I don't really know the last time it's I It's like had. at a concert you feel it's that exactly sometimes, that. but it's hard yeah. for it's a movie exactly to reach that. that level where everybody's looking at everybody like, yeah, it's happening. Yeah, we're here. It's about we're here. To yeah. And yeah, I don't know. Like there's, there's a handful of experiences. I mean, even just since knowing you guys, like, you know, I can remember when we saw Avengers together, oh, like man. just moments of that movie, like we were like buzzing and, you know, even moments in Guardians and, you know, Force Awakens, like it, this, you know, just talking of like the last 10 years of what I can remember, the feeling that way in a theater, that communal like excitement. <clears throat> and uh, like, I think about it now, like I think about scenes from that movie, even when I watch it home or I'm driving home from work sometimes, I'm not going to, I'm being totally honest. Like I think about the last like 20 minutes of that movie in the theater and like I get cold chills like still now yeah. mm. like even talking to you guys about it now I'm kind of like buzzing about it just the moments that happen and not in any spoiler territory anymore for this but like just the Iron Man scene the hammer scene the you know you're six like you know you know or whatever he says like it's just like those moments are just like the culminating things that like you just want you yeah. just re- you just like want in your life you know, or at least I do. Yeah. As like a moviegoer. No, I know it's, it's it's like it's like a it's like a it's a unicorn now. Like you don't you don't see this, you don't experience that kind of stuff anymore. You know, I think I felt it in Infinity War. There was that ending and you just felt like the whole you suddenly were aware of how many people Slightly were in the room different experience. having that experience yeah. with you. But mm-hmm. feeling like at the end I remember in Force Awakens and yeah. in Endgame having that sense of like everyone who's in this room, this is a packed room and everyone who is here is so psyched. To be here, it is yeah. That is really something special. And it's like a non-disruptive like hooting and hollering in like certain yeah. parts of the movie. That's what I mean. Like yeah. you don't like, mind the people that are getting into it when they're in the vibe of the movie. Yeah, and like yeah. you know, just I don't know. I mean, and like I went with like people from my work, and my and Aaron was there, and like some of my buddies came, and it's just like, you know, in those moments in the movie, like I'm literally like out of my seat, you know, mm-hmm. levitating. I'm like pushing back. I'm I'm way too loud. My wife's like embarrassed. But it's like that moment where we're all just laughing because it's like I'm like literally cheering, yeah. you know, like like a at a concert yeah. or a sporting event or whatever. Yeah. Like it just doesn't happen, you know. Yeah. Like and yeah. it's 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 the movie. It's it's the kind of movie that can can allow it to happen and it's like not disruptive. Yeah. But I just you know I there's just, almost applause breaks built in with all yeah. the sound effects they and the know, music and they everything. They know that yeah. they've earned it, and then yeah. it, once it hits, it's like. You know, when he gets the hammer, there's the, there is a break, and yeah. you know it's so people can just like cheer. 
Yeah. And, but you um, still have the was it Thor says I knew it like I knew you, it. so you still have a quiet moment yeah. that you that you know you might if you if people cheer too loud you might miss so yeah. there still is that gift of the second time through going oh yeah oh, there's shit, there's even that. more here yeah. but no that movie's great I I wonder um you know the Rise of Skywalker which I comes hope. out in just a few weeks do you I guys hope. do you guys already got tickets you, I do you get... I didn't I'm probably gonna get them this week though. okay yeah. I'm excited yeah, I'm going on Thursday night this time Me too. I, what where, I which Owens Mills was the only place I could get what time. I guess like the seven the six o'clock. or, or oh. which one? I think it's like the whatever the seven seven thirty whatever show. Might be able to experience it together. Oh, that's crazy. That's, that's where I'm going. going. <laughs> no, because when I decide that what happens with the, with the ticket presales is I always sort of sleep on it for like half yeah. a day mm. or two days yeah. or something, and then I'm like, you know, I don't want to be the guy who like goes to look and finds that. Sunday or Monday is the soonest yeah. I have to yeah. see the movie yeah. and I went and I was like damn it because I always forget like this is a family yeah. like this is an outing for us yeah. and we all get psyched about yeah. it so I was like no I'm going to try to find some Thursday night action because I always <laughs> like in the age of assigned seats I always forget that yes. like that buying this ticket doesn't mean waiting in line for two hours right. to get in it's like yeah, no it's so it means different. you can just traipse Roll in up. five seconds before the movie starts and sit down so yeah all, Owings Mills was the only That's place funny. like the IMAX or whatever that had it did left. you get IMAX? yeah oh okay no. Yeah, I got the Dolby one. You know, we talked about the end of Game of Thrones, and we've talked about Endgame. It's like, this was the year of no, big dude. endings, and now yeah. Star Wars is it. That's the last yeah. one. And That's I, it. And I believe them that they are going to wrap something up in this movie, but I don't know what it really means to say the end when when you know their plan is to, you know, they just opened Star Wars land at Disney. So clearly, yeah. Star Wars isn't over. It. But it's I, slowing down. Yeah. But it's not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah. right. I think they're just going to lick their wounds and figure out why they aren't the biggest name in the world anymore. <laughs> And, well, and, well, there's a lane open now because yeah. Endgame happened. Right. In a yeah. way, yeah. Yeah. So sit back and watch what happens. But, no, but I've seen like a certain amount of cynicism about The Rise of Skywalker, but I've, I'm so psyched for that movie. I think it too. looks so good. Pumps. I believe good. in J.J. Abrams' ability to like figure out what needs to be done and to do it. And to just the visuals, it. everything they've seen, the music... Star Wars oh, trailers God. have music cues in them that I'm like I want I don't know if that's in the movie or if that's just for the trailer but all the the trailers for the new Star Wars have had amazing music yes. cues in them. Yeah. I'm just so ready. I'm ready to pump my fist and feel that swell I of know, emotion. Man. That was good. Yeah, the same thing happened in Force Awakens like in in that like when 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 the saber goes past Kylo and she puts her hand yeah. up. That's the moment. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's the moment. In my theater, when when you see the Millennium Falcon for the first time, was the that moment too, when yeah. I actually felt everyone go like. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but still, we like this. Like we're oh, like, we're cheese this balls. Is like, this yeah. is what you want. Yeah, that's what you, you want. You like just chase this feeling, and you know we may have two two in one year if, yeah. if, if Skywalker lands it. But yeah, Endgame this year. It's one of my favorite movies of the year I've ever, and just because of like, so much of it is based on that experience. Yeah. Like I, I I don't even remember the last time I felt like that in a movie theater, and it's amazing. So, right. Yeah. Well, it was like also they were ready to meet you more than halfway with a story where the shit's actually happening. Yes. You've seen yeah. enough movies where it feels like okay, maybe they're setting something up, or maybe they're treading water, or maybe they're developing a character to to do something with them later. Endgame felt like something. It felt yeah. like a real movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we need to get that ice cream figured out still, don't we? Oh yeah, that's yeah. true. We never did. We never. Yeah, did. I'll bring some ice. I know why Ronald hasn't uh, done it. <laughs> Conveniently forgetting yeah. this yeah. guy. Um, but yeah, what my final, final thanks, uh, and I just want to say this actually ties in nicely with uh, the idea of Endgame, the idea of heroes teaming up to fight something. Mm. I will say that this year, since I didn't watch a lot of movies, I'm going to dip into my real life. But you know, my wife and I, we had these crooked contractors that mm. we were we were like conspiring against and pacing the floor and like writing documents and filing shit. And we mm. haven't even begun the legal proceedings that might uh, wreck my next year. So let's look forward to that. <laughs> 
But um, I just got to say, I'm thankful this year for a common foe. <laughs> a common foe. It's, I mean, honestly, I don't wish ill will on, on your lives at all, but you both have a very solid uh, relationship with an amazing woman. I just hope you guys get to experience some kind of common <laughs> foe because there's nothing li- like to hate someone with the passion of a thousand so sons. Good. And my wife, she can do it. Like she's got it in her to like, she's making spreadsheets of hate. You know, like she, she gets organized. It, it's, it, it's been amazing. And I almost wonder like now that the basement is in shape, like, I guess if we got, if we, if we actually do get legal proceedings, that's where the hate will go. I'm sure. Yeah. But I've begun to wonder like, what is going to be the, the thing, because right now I feel like she and I could like, we could take down a Tyrannosaurus Rex or something like that. Yeah. But it's either way, it's awesome. You should, you should, you should enjoy your life. You should hope for happiness. You should hope for good times. But if you've, if you've, Above cho- all else. If you've chosen a good partner, hope for a you should know that a common foe is the best thing for your relationship because it, it, it highlights both of your skills and yeah. how you interact yeah, yeah, with each yeah, other. Yeah. And you do this while I go do this. And then did you do the thing? Yes, I did the thing. What did they say? They said this. Oh my God. And then you just fall into each other's arms. It's amazing. So I'd say, go upstairs and watch Shit's Creek. Yeah, you watch Shit's Creek and you make R2D2 noises in bed. Um, but yes, I would say, don't look for it, don't hope for it. But if it comes your way, a common foe, you can be like this. You, can, you know. Bring it on, common foe. It's good. <laughs> you fucked with the wrong team. Yeah. There was actually a point in the middle of the year where we, we were writing something up and sending it in, and you know, because there is an organization that we're hoping will help us get some of our money back mm. from this crook. Um, and and I just said to to Nikki, I said, "You don't fuck with nerds," and she was like, "No, don't fuck with nerds." <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty amazing. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I'm See glad. See positive that... in it. Very good. Yeah, seriously. Good. Yeah, I like it. It's good perspective. Yep. Well, Whew! that's it. You did it. Yeah. 2019. Yeah, it's a lot of. We did it. Yep. A lot of good, a lot of bad. So next episode might be some like we're, we're hoping we can yeah. talk about the new Star Wars movie. Yes. But if nothing else, you'll know that coming up in uh, in 2020, we'll be coming at you with our. I think I like what we did last year, where we started with the TV. So the next episode should be uh, the best TV of the year. And then after that, the best movies of the year. Yeah. And then we'll be dealing with 2020. Whew. Right in our faces. It's yeah, so we got to figure out the Skywalker. we got to try to get that yeah. like, up quick. Yeah. If we can all see it that night. I'd love that. Figure it out. Okay, cool. Well, that was fun. Yeah. It was. Um, you know the websites. MovieShmovie.com. <laughs> Facebook.com slash MovieShmovie. Um, oh man, now I'm just really excited to see Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, even more so. I just I heard that musical cue, like the slowed down one. Yeah, in the yeah. most recent trailer, mm-hmm. got some cold chills again. It's mm-hmm. good stuff. So hopefully we'll be able to talk about that. I'm looking so. forward to that. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, as always, you made our day. Thanks. Bye.